It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Time Enough podcast. This is where we get into the twilight zone and all sorts of wild and wooly anthology shows. This is Matt here. Uh, joining me today is uh, the maker of some horror movies, a few westerns, uh, which ties in nicely to today. Hello, Henrik Cato. Hey, hey, how you doing, man? Pretty good. And yeah, you know, it's just another week in Japan. But uh, thanks for joining on the uh, the dawn of a holiday in America, I guess. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah, <laughs> not, not not as exciting as Christmas Eve, but uh, no, you know. no, not at all. Yeah, That's why I'm, I'm I'm dressed like it's the day before a holiday. I, of course, everybody wanted a piece of me at work. So it was <laughs> I thought today would be a nothing day. So literally, I like got a shower put on a robe and went okay i'm ready for this podcast i can do this i'm in my roll out of bed flannel here myself so uh (laughs) this being a sort of double duty on the podcast today um (laughs) but yeah yeah i guess the big holiday now in america is black friday is it (laughs) it's not as big as it was this year uh walmart and best buy won't even be open on thanksgiving evening oh good for them (laughs) they shouldn't be I used to have a good time going on Thanksgiving evening just to see what was out there. <laughs> no, nah, for years. Go ahead. I was just saying for years. Oh, I, I'm in Japan, right? Uh, Black yeah. Friday here. They 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 heard the name and the date, but um, last year I went to the um, department store and they just had this display of black things, black T-shirts, black boxers, black <laughs> socks, and that was their Black Friday sale. That was awesome. That's funny. I love that. I, I've been Amazoning it, and uh, th- this year I did I did snag the Blu-ray of the the complete Fast and the Furious to make my head explode. So all right, because <laughs> you don't have friends, you have family. So uh, that's right. Yeah, that's for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's my family for Thanksgiving. Okay, <laughs> sorry, you had a little tale you were telling. Oh no, just uh, I thought today would be was going to be like this very calm, relaxing day. And it turned out to be like a really intense work day. I was dealing with film labs, which don't actually deal with film, but they are a lab and they are very frustrating. So I, I got all of that done, got my shower. And then I, once I got my robe on, I was like, all right, let's do this podcast. Cause uh, I officially don't have anybody wanting anything from me until like noon tomorrow. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully talking about the twilight zone is uh, more, more like a good time. Uh, oh Yeah. Today's episode is uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, the uh, third yes. aired episode of the series. And uh, if you give me a moment, I'll just uh, rattle off a bit of trivia as I try to sound like someone who did at least his wiki research. <laughs> so uh, star Mr. Denton himself, Dan Duria, tried to be an ad exec to please his parents, but a rather early heart attack sent him into acting instead. He became a fixture of film noir and westerns. 
Pride of the Yankees, Winchester 73, and Flight of the Phoenix standing out as some notable appearances. He died at a relatively young 61 years of age in 1969. Uh, Martin Landau, as, as the, uh, one of the, the bandits, uh, do we really need to say more about him if you're still scratching your head for some reason? The Mission Impossible TV series, Space <laughs> 1999, and his role as Bell Lugosi and Ed Wood. Are, oh, he blew you know, my mind seeing him in there. It blew yeah. my mind. I was like, wait, that that's totally Martin Landa. <laughs> and we'll get to it. So you're you're like, is it? Because he's he's so off his um normal. Well, he's one of those, yeah, he's one of those guys who played an old man for like 40 years. Yeah, you yeah, know, and so. there he is being young as hell and a cowboy. Smiling. So. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. wild. <laughs> um, Mr. Fate is Malcolm Attenbury, who wasn't a shining star of stage and screen, but he filled in some notable bit parts in uh, Hitchcock films like North by Northwest and The Birds. I found it mildly mind-blowing that um, him and Dan Dario were the same age. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. no way. Dan okay, Dario, yeah. No, Dan Dario at this point was like 51, 52. Mm -hmm. And so is Mr. Fate. So one wow. of them looks way huh. young for his age. One of them looks yes. way old for his age. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, in Hollywood, you know, that's just that that's uh, telling. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Alan Reisner directed the episode and that is pretty much all I was able to get on him. But you know what? He did a hell of a job on on this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Henry, I'm going to put you through your paces now, and I would like you, you can do this however you want, but I make the guests do the opening narration from the episode. <laughs> um, you can you can do your surly impression. Uh, Andrew, it's here. I think he just started doing a Southern Madman or something, so it's up to you, <laughs> but it should be on your screen now. <clears throat> okay, let me get ready for this one. <clears throat> Portrait of a town drunk named Al Denton. This is a man who's begun his dying early, a long, agonizing route through a maze of bottles. Al Denton, who would probably give an arm or a leg or a part of his soul to have another chance to be able to rise up and shake the dirt from his body and the bad dreams that infest his consciousness. In the parlance of the times, this is a peddler, a rather fanciful looking man in a black frock coat. And this is the third principal character of our story. Its function, perhaps, to give Mr. Al Denton his second chance. All right. Seems the groovy impression route. I dig that, too. I, I don't know if you um, heard any of the I sent you a few of my first ones. And uh, yeah, I, I the listener will hear me doing my sort of kind of impression at the beginning of the podcast. But then, then it's up to the guests from there. So. <laughs> I've always I've always loved uh, that Rod Serling was the the voice. I always loved that, especially because you could tell he didn't really like it that much. <laughs> no, it, he was like like um, you know they tried to bring in Orson Welles and uh, other other luminaries who had tried you know Portrait of a Town Drunk named Al <laughs> and it just doesn't work. And he was like, okay, I'll just do it. Um, you know, he didn't even get on screen until the second season, but. Uh, I mean, now, you know, if you're doing a, a comedy or something, you want to like phone in. There's a narrator. You put oh, in yeah. something that looks and or sounds like Rod Serling. <laughs> and Rod Serling, he uh, when they put him on camera, he didn't want to be on camera. He wanted to do that even less. And that's why he famously always had a cigarette, because he had been told by like old showbiz types that when you're nervous on camera, having something to hold on to is like a necessary way 
to kind of break that nervousness and make you feel like you're doing something and being interesting. So he always had that cigarette in his hand, even though he almost, he very seldom puffed it. It would just be burning there in his hand <laughs> while he talked, which I always thought was interesting too. Cause it's like, Oh, so here's this ethereal otherworldly narrator. But uh, also this is like his break from his shift at uh, Bennigan's or whatever. So he's got, <laughs> so he's got to get his smoke in real quick. while he tells you all about Mr. Denton. Well, it's good he didn't like decide to have like a vibrator in his hand or something. <laughs> I mean, I I wonder if the show would have been even more memorable somehow if he had. But <laughs> yeah, um, something interesting. These are this. I think production wise, this is a little bit down the line, like a mm -hmm. seven or it was not the first one they filmed by far, but they'd already done the Lonely, which they chose Death Valley, and I'm like, man, they chose some really hot places to film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. And it makes sense to do an episode. The moment I flipped this on, I hadn't seen this one in a while. I hadn't seen it since maybe one of those new year. I think it was, they used to do new year's sci-fi channel marathons of twilight zone. Yeah. And that was the last time I had seen this was during one of those marathons, maybe even six or seven or eight years ago. And the moment I clicked it on and saw it was a Western, I was like, ah, yeah. And, and because back then, any excuse to do a Western version of something was wise because it was the height of Western TV shows and movies in America. So if you had a Western episode, you'd be like, well, then let's just go to one of the pre-standing Western towns where they already have Western extras and costumes just sitting there because literally when one Western show ends a season, another Western show begins. So from a, from a producerial standpoint, it was like, ah, yes, good. Go to the old West whenever you can. Cause it looks expensive when in reality, it's very convenient during that time period. No, there's a reason you were invited for the Western one. So <laughs> um, I did. I, I don't know if it was or wasn't, but I, I just couldn't help being like, is that the Spawn Ranch? <laughs> it might have been, though. It, I it think might it might have been. been. That would have yeah. been the sweet spot for it. That would have been the sweet spot for the Spawn Ranch. So I don't know, though. There were so many of them. That's the thing, because people don't realize just how hot Westerns were. And that was a big thing. And once upon a time in Hollywood that they show is how like Westerns were hot, 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 hot. And then they were very suddenly not. And that's why they're like when the young people in that movie, when they're referencing it, like, oh, he's just a character from some old Western, you know, like, cause they've, they've glommed them all together as just like that howdy doody time period that their dad talks about, but they're not into it, man. Cause it's yeah. too violent, man. <laughs> but re regardless, <laughs> regardless of where it was, I'm like, yes, I have seen the saloon like 80 million times somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember there was a, uh, one of my favorite uh, Western movie trivia pieces is that there was a guy who made a fortune just bringing tumbleweeds to California because there are none in California. So he would go out to Arizona, I believe, and, and New Mexico, and he would literally just grab them and fill a truck full of them and then drive into California and sell them to all the prop houses. And he'd just make bank. And that's all he'd do. He'd, he'd furnish tumbleweeds because they were so important to the Western aesthetic back then. Hollywood's tumbleweed man. His last job was probably Lebowski. Yeah. That nice big one to roll around. You need a tumbleweed. I'm your guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, so Martin Landau only shows up in the, well, what the first five, six minutes till he gets his, his, his hand blown off or mm -hmm. not blown off. Sorry. That's a, a little too that's strong later. a word, but yeah. yeah. Definitely like, you know, absolutely doing the template that they, um, I mean, he's almost doing the, the blazing saddles role, which is kind of hysterical, 
the, uh, yeah. hench, the henchman <laughs> guy, you know, the one that gets everyone singing Camptown races. <laughs> but, well, yeah, because uh, he, he his, his thing is he gets off on making the town drunk sing for whiskey, uh, yeah. which is very cruel, uh, like and cruel for cruelness sake. <laughs> I think punk rockers sing for drinks. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in a way, doesn't everyone? Yeah. But let's not get philosophical. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a smiling Martin Landau definitely makes me think of like a smiling Spock, which I guess makes sense since Leonard Nimoy was also in Mission Impossible. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> Things are gonna go wrong. Um, I got my finally got my Space 1999 out and uh, back on the bookshelf. So good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get back to that soon. <laughs> that is, I mean, uh, that Ned Wood would be my my main Landau sweet spots. So, <laughs> but um, no, he's so good, Ned Wood. Yeah, uh, of course he's not the star here. That's that's no. Dan Dury as Mister Denton, and um, yeah, yeah. I again, I once I found out he's like fifty when he did this, it just blew my mind. But uh, he's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he he elicits a lot of sympathy. He's very, he's a very sad character. There's nothing sadder than like a totally broke down drunk who completely understands that that's where he's at in his life. And that's who he is. And that's kind of the end of it. Cause that whole line where that woman asks him how he found himself to, to be drinking so much. He says, well, I reckon I just picked up the habit and never let it go. And you're like, wow, that's a very, that's a very simplistic way of saying like, so anyway, I ruined my life. <laughs> well, was his desperation as a uh, always pestered gunslinger as well? He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just kept drinking earlier in the morning, and <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit earlier. No, I mean, it was just the way he started it out. The way he, the first reference to him drinking all the time is just, I just picked up a habit. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, a little little habit, huh? As <laughs> he's singing in the middle of the street in the morning for whiskey. He got called a rummy, which is um, I just want to throw out it, in Japan, it's a seasonal chocolate rum raisin chocolate it's really good but uh, yeah it's like uh, sometimes you're buying it's like does does this does this make me a rummy the the current display has got like this kind of like this this glamorous uh a little older she looks like she's around 50 years old but kind of glam looking sitting in a leather bound chair for the advertisement for me well she's drunk okay (laughs) well there you go no wonder she's so happy she's the rummy right (laughs) Um, I don't know. Should we, should we consider a drinking problem is better than a shooting problem? Though? <laughs> uh, I mean, definitely the character has definitely decided that that is the case. Yeah. <laughs> He'd rather be a drunk than be a gunslinger. Finding guns in the street. Although we do have uh, the somewhat on the nose named Mr. Fate uh, leaving it there for him. <laughs> <laughs> what you think there's what you're saying? Mr. Fate lacks subtlety. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. And, and that's actually a good point. So I love the Twilight Zone. I love and I love anthology television. I love the idea of tuning in every week for another story from a new storyteller. I love that. I think that's so much fun. And it was especially special back in the day, all the way up and through the nineties, because we had amazing stories in the late eighties where that was took it one step further, where it wasn't just a new story every week. It was a new story from like the masters of storytelling of Hollywood. You had Steven Spielberg and Mick Garris and Joe Dante, and you had all these people who had made really great movies. And that was special because back then television was kind of 
you know, relegated to lesser things. It was relegated to smaller things and old movies and things like that, unless you had like pay cable or something. So I, I've always loved the idea. Every week you get a brand new story. Every week is uh, is something totally different, except it has this, this element of, of a twist to make you think about life and humanity and things like that. Well, one of the, one of my favorite tropes of the twilight zone is the just mysterious dude that gives you something, sells you something, offers <laughs> you, you a need? deal on something. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I love it because it's like kind of beautifully lazy in a, in a small way. Like it's just so like, so anyway, this drunk gunslinger is like living a normal life. But then this guy is like, I'm not normal and I'll change everything. And you know, <laughs> but well, the how is always different. It's, it's part of the economy of the storytelling though. These are 20, well, except for yeah. four seasons, these are 25 minute things. And, <laughs> When oh, they absolutely. did stretch it out, it didn't really work as well for the most part. So, uh, and it's one of the oldest storytelling devices too. I mean, we have tons of literary versions of you know someone's living their life the way they're living it, and then a stranger comes along and changes everything, or tells them something, or gives them something that changes it all. That's a very common storytelling element beyond even Twilight Zone. So it's it's definitely got a classic feel because you have Mister Fate. Uh, <laughs> They just need him name. to be like, oh, oh, sorry, it's pronounced Fate. <laughs> I am Mr. Fate. I, yeah. I thank you. That makes it subtle, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They may as well just call them like Mr. Faust or something. <laughs> just, go, just go all the way. Well, Lou Cipher. This Although guy, he's actually not bad. I was about to say, he's not a, it's not a Faustian bargain. One, Mr. No, Denton, that's true. Mr. Denton is getting a helping hand that well, breaks that, his hand in the end, but yeah. uh, <laughs> he well, needed a hand broken. The, that's the thing. Mr. Fate seemed like a bad, not a bad dude, but he seemed like chaotic, you know, like on, on the, the less than neutral side. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he was offering to give him this drink so that he could kill some kid <laughs> who wanted to gunfight him. But then when you realize, you know, when the twist is revealed, you realize that uh, that really he was evening the playing field and saving both of them. If they right. if they chose to to be saved to some extent, so I think that's you know a really excellent twist. We just gives creepy stares for the first twenty minutes of the show, right? It's not it's not until <laughs> the very end when he even speaks. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. Which is so I at guess, first. Oh, sorry. I was just saying. I guess that's why he was chosen because um, I mentioned he was in North by Northwest. He's the guy like calling out. There's a crop dusters or something. He's there. He gets a line, but uh, you know, he's uh, it's it's like some somewhere past character actor. It's like uh, I guess he's like a paintbrush, like a certain color you color your show or your movie with. <laughs> he's an accent actor. He accentuates yeah. something. So no, I mean, I, I I definitely like that, and I like I just like that twist that it was almost playing on what I was just talking about on that kind of trope because he turns out to be somewhat neutral or neutral to positive as opposed to being a bad guy who shows up to help someone be bad again, which is kind of the way the vibe you start to get is that he's, you know, he's setting someone up for some pain, blues and agony. I have to think that um, this was on the mind when they were making back to the future three. Oh, like, I would not be surprised at all. Cause we got Marty, you know, he gets in his car crash. He, he has a broken hand, can't play guitar anymore. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you're the, right. I, I, you know, a little bit of Doc Brown's wake up juice would have done some good here, probably. So <laughs> <laughs> that's one that grew on me as I've gotten older. When I was a kid, I thought Back to the Future 3 was eh. And now I'm like, man, that is sweet. That movie is a 
the blast, man. I was just talking with someone though, how it was kind of like two was the hot. I I, I always like mm-hmm. both of them because I just love those movies, but two was kind of considered the weird hot mess, and everyone loved three in it. Just kind of like two's more like modern uh, really? storytelling in film. It was the the explanation, which it kind of is because it's all over the place, right? And two I love is just two. yeah, two is just two got to just go crazy that's really what it comes down to with the special effects with the depiction of the future with all the inside jokes it was the first just to really everything play in the um play in the sandbox that way <laughs> yeah no and i think that that's why a lot of people love two so much uh i can't pick a favorite anymore but when i was a kid two was my favorite because i liked all the ridiculous future stuff and it yeah. made me imagine living in that world and uh, but now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, but the Western part's pretty good. And the Western part is a great palate cleanser after two because you just get so much candy, you know, when two it's all sweets. And then it's finally like, no, 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 no. You got to eat some meat and potatoes now. You got to get back to the West and, and see how Doc Brown saves the day. I think you're wondering if, if that is a place, another place where the saloon got used. I feel like the layout was pretty much the same <laughs> it could be saloons do kind of look the same too yeah yeah you want to have an old west saloon you just you know, have a big mirror somewhere uh, some bottles and a bunch of wood <laughs> yeah yeah a bunch of earth tones right <laughs> now so um just just to you know push the story i guess he he gets his gun slinging talons back just long enough to get martin landau out of town and uh mm-hmm. wakes up the next one with the, I, I guess the dts as he's trying to shoot again <laughs> yeah <laughs> charming <laughs> now what now the one um the one phase we missed is i wanted to see him with the haircut but having not getting gotten rid of the five o'clock shadow i thought that would have been a perfect uh look we did not get because he goes straight from <laughs> scruffy hair five o'clock shadow to uh perfect hair and clean shave and i was like nah he, he would look up with the shadow still he didn't need a shave he just needed a haircut <laughs> back then they didn't understand fashion you know they were just like you're a clean cut man here have some brill cream have some more brill cream did i yeah. give you any brill cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i know um uh, morocco my, my father was in the navy there and i visited once and they, they don't consider you a man if you don't have a mustache at least so he grew oh, one yeah. and he grew on it when he was in the Navy for that purpose. And then when I went, I just, I was in Spain and Portugal first. So I just made sure not to shave. So when I got to Morocco, I, you know, look properly scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> no one would call me out for being a boy. I know that was like 21, 22. I guess it was kind of still boyish. <laughs> but, Depends on the culture for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, why did I write that? Come on, Denton. You could always use a condom. Why did I write that? I don't know. <laughs> so sometimes I don't know why I it's right before um he he talks to fate. Okay. So sometimes my own notes are a little bit um you know confusing. It it is entertaining. Again, it's because of the compressed storytelling, but just how quickly he gets challenged to a duel. It's like what? Oh yeah. He's literally leaving the the barber <laughs> yeah well you know those young guns part that was not meant to be a pun uh but you know young guns are just waiting for a chance to make a name for themselves yeah so you want, you want them to shoot what that's that's uh kevin bacon you want him to shoot then <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember who the other young guns were no no blaze of glory was uh bon jovi's one right 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to call Bon Jovi a young gun, but that's not right. Yeah. No, okay. No. <laughs> um, I, I did find it fun. I was like, every bar loves to just silently listen to the clock tick. I don't know. I mean, if there's, I feel like if, if we're about to have a duel, people would be kind of excited and, you know, like having a bit of a bacchanal before the, the gun singer. But that's how excited they are. They're so excited that it's dead silence. They're just like, oh, man, finally, someone's going to die for our amusement. It took so long. It's been so long since we had anything really good happen. Yeah. Well, they, they, had a, they had a musical performance the previous day. Yeah. But, you know, that's like just to get you by in a pinch. That's like to bridge you between murders. You know? And how, how dry am I? That I don't know. It's not that catchy tune. And he's not a good singer. I don't I don't see why he even deserves the, the alcohol for his performance. That's fair. I, I, I think the, the embarrassment is the payment. That's yeah. what it really comes down to. <laughs> give him a dance on his head or something. Um, <laughs> so I mean, they could have uh, went like total stereotypical Western, just shot at his feet and made him dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I that that I guess even in 1959, that was already too much of a cliche. So oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> hence, hence our drunken uh, song here, song doing, song singing, whatever it's called. Um, and I, I do like grant the uh, gunslinger they they just have to push him so much for being younger and blonder that he just comes up showing looking like a hitler youth <laughs> yes that's a good point <laughs> which, which makes sense in this case um and then if yeah. we're talking we're talking about the olympics they're dosing that's not fair for a gunfight can't they should have both been uh, disqualified yeah really you don't <laughs> get the gold doing that kids winners don't use drugs what what happens if you uh if you're disqualified from a gun duel? How does that work out? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, technically, because America has had a long history of duels of mutual combat in its founding, and technically, losing a duel was not being killed; it was simply being the first hit with a bullet meant right. you lost. But often, you would get killed. Also, uh many people who got in duels the goal was not to kill so you knew that's why that's why in these like old western movies and stuff it was like it, the thing it wasn't that you got into a duel is that you got into a duel with like a mad dog killer you got in a duel with a guy where they're like that man to kill a man just as much as he eat breakfast he's gonna be aiming for your head you know like that's <laughs> that was the that was the reasoning because there are a lot of stories throughout history of duels being uh people getting winged getting hit in the arm shoulder now of course you you know you still could die because they didn't even know they needed to wash their hands before they did surgery until like until yeah, like it, 19 until like 1890 or something not the safest game <laughs> no no i would not say that it's just a thing to do on a friday night i, I would uh i would say it's a uh, yeah you'd still want to be really committed to mutual combat but uh, the winner gets to become vice president <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that, I love democracy. That's that's uh, Aaron Burr and whoever what was it? Was he the winner? Anyways, him and someone and I don't know one of our founding fathers. They because at that point it was the president was the guy with the most votes and the vice president was the guy with the the second most. Second, yeah, and uh, there was some you know other than like hanging chads or um you know, uh, January 6th riots and things like that. At that point in time, it was like, hey, we're going to duel for the vice presidency, <laughs> which that's how they should do it now, I think. So I, I mean, 
I don't see why not. You know, the, the thing about the, I always got confused when they made duels illegal. Cause I was like, well, it's mutual combat. Just don't agree to a duel dummy. Like that's a very, it's a very simple, uh, we gotta, we gotta make duels illegal because we want to keep ourselves safe. It's like, how about you don't agree to being in one after you have too many beers at Chili's, you stupid. That would be, that's all you need is to not get in. Cause they, they glove slapped you. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, it's just slapped. it's just that's the thing is they were like i'm too hot-headed to even uh to even say no i you need know, it to be a law i i don't i don't need to see blood we could bring back the old uh american gladiator competitions and let that that choose our vice presidents <laughs> yeah see i mean i just want to see some old people beating each other that's that's all i'm hoping for you know <laughs> I, I still i still hold hopes for our, the u.s congress to let that be a reality for you <laughs> be so nice that'd be so well, nice well, yeah they do that in other countries there's some country recently where they had a full-on riot in their uh house of parliament or something so like with the lawmakers not from outside people <laughs> see i i would be amazed if our uh congress people would do that much in general <laughs> nancy they, pelosi they really doing a collecting checks. body slam <laughs> <laughs> She just throw her dentures at somebody. Yeah, exactly. That's why it would be so fantastic. We I have know. C-SPAN. It's being filmed already. They just need to like. They just need to do it. You know. That's they just all. need to put a, a a paywall on it and start working on that national debt. I mean, because I'd be paying to watch them fight as long as you know only one person exits, then <laughs> then I'd be watching. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is this is my other, yeah. The reason I was talking about Marty McFly not playing guitar is I was like, I, I guess Denton's not going to be playing guitar or or the uke so that would bum me out i wouldn't like to have my hand damaged in that way but uh, i guess then he's more of a singer so it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> it won't be hurting his artistic expression i i just thought from this point he'll become like a a wild west like crotch kicker you know <laughs> <laughs> there you go the fastest foot in the west <laughs> there's an there's an old SCTV sketch, um, uh, Yellow, Yellow Belly, which has, it was John Candy. And um, the thing with Yellow Belly is he just gets scared really quick. Like he's just sitting there and like a wife and kid um, walk around the corner. And he flips out and guns them down and then has to leave town. And that's like an episode <laughs> of Yellow Belly. <laughs> that's funny. That's really good. Uh, yeah. I've never heard that. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to have to YouTube it. With and then you know John can't talking like this the whole time you know it's it's pretty yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I, I've I've I it's hard I don't know if you've seen much SCTV it's it's sometimes hard to get people into it it's it's very much an acquired taste but once you acquire the taste it's so fantastic oh no I've enjoyed some SCTV yeah it's definitely uh it's just you know it's much weirder than Saturday Night Live so you have to <laughs> well it never has a punchline right <laughs> yeah half the time yeah. Yeah, they were just experimenting. Yeah, I would say I don't remember any punchlines on that show, to be honest. So, <laughs> but there's probably one somewhere. But uh, yeah. Um, so I I like to ask a few questions. Um, first, I, I guess it's worth asking who was in the Twilight Zone in this one. I guess Mister Fate is from the Twilight Zone. Yes. <laughs> uh. Mr. Denton, he's got his name on the episode, so that's pretty clear. Would, would you say any of the other characters were actually going through a bit of the Twilight Zone? Uh, uh, 
the young gun that uh, that he duels with the end. I think he I think this would count as him having a journey through the Twilight Zone as well. Yeah, we could just change the perspective, although I, I don't yeah. think his perspective would be as interesting a story. No, then you just not got at a, all. a cocky young buck being cocky, right? Exactly. <laughs> but in the end, we find out he's also having a supernatural, uh, if you want to call it that, you know, experience, a Twilight Zone experience, because he ends up uh, interacting with uh, Mr. Fate as well. So, right. So, yeah. That's why I asked the question, even though it's like kind of obvious sometimes. It's like sometimes it's like, wait a minute, like um, the, the last episode is one for the angels. And we got into a little bit of a debate if the little girl in that episode had gone through the Twilight Zone or not. So um, yeah. the other one, again, it varies with what episode, but uh, did they deserve their trip into the Twilight Zone? So let, let's take both both gunslingers. <laughs> oh, I think they absolutely did. I think that that this one is a perfect morality tale about how it's never too late to straighten up and how your fate doesn't have to be a bad thing. Your, your fate can be a guy in a truck, a guy (laughs) in a truck. (laughs) And, but, and also that, you know, that your choices can help somebody who's going down the same road as you, because he doesn't just help himself never pick up a gun again he help, he causes a young man to learn young that it ain't worth being a gunfighter so he doesn't have to discover it in his 50s when he's a drunk who's washed up and haunted but a handsome haunted <laughs> i mean he was a good looking boy i ain't gonna deny that yeah <laughs> now the last one um is the the tripometer which is on a scale of one to five five being the trippiest um decimal points are acceptable um where would you place this on the tripometer i think this one's very grounded this is a very low trippiness episode this was definitely when they were finding their groove on the series so you said it was a one to five on the tripometer yeah. You know, yeah. you go zero if you want. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's that low because, I mean, it's trippy enough that a guy named Mr. Fate shows. <laughs> that. I mean, it's a little trippy. I would say it's like, uh, I would call it like a 1.4 on the tripometer. There's, you know, because it, it, anytime you drive through the Twilight Zone, you pass through the Twilight Zone, it's going to be a little trippy. But I definitely remember massively trippier episodes. <laughs> so Yeah, Th- this, this is actually the first time I think I'm going higher. I, I was thinking like maybe 2.3 or something. Um, yeah. And, and I'm docking a little bit for being a Western because I find Westerns to typically be inherently untrippy. Um, El Topo being the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That is a fair point. <laughs> so there, no, I there thought are, that this yeah. one was, this one was overall very grounded in reality with just that little flare that passes through, which I like, I like yeah. a lot. It sets a cool tone. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that sort of trippiness is like a little more effective when uh, I, I say with the fantasy, I mean, I mean, I've got the extended Lord of the Rings next to my space 1999 up there, but I've never been a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm not a fantasy fan um, because I guess it's not so grounded in our reality. I mean, you, yeah. you can get into like, oh, it's, a, you know, ancient forgotten cultures. So it was just kind of a cool idea for something like that. But yeah, I, like I. I remember when Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter movies came out at the same time, thought I'd love Lord of the Rings and hate Harry Potter. And it turned out to, to be the other way. Now, now I just don't <laughs> like JK Rowling. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, I'm also a person who, who is not in general, a very big fan of fantasy. Uh, I love science fiction, 
but I don't really like fantasy. I have trouble connecting with it, but every now and then one will grab me and, and take me for a ride. I like, but overall, like the, the swords and sorcery and, and stuff, it just, it just kind of leaves me in the lurch for the most part. Yeah. As far as this episode though. Yeah. I, I think it might've been the first time I, I seen it, or at least it has been since I was like a kid. So, sure. um, you know, I've had several, this being one one I was like, wow, this is real good. Cause I, I've just had my pool of about a third of the series on, on disc and I've seen those quite a bit, but there's yeah. two thirds I haven't seen so much of. So, um, I'm enjoying hitting episodes like this that, uh, you know, I guess it wasn't so trippy, but it did blow my mind. Right. <laughs> oh, sure. So no, I really enjoyed it. I had, I really don't remember the last time I saw it, but it was really cool to sit down with it and, uh, and take all, take it all in take in some old west vibes and uh you know just kick back and hang out with mr fate <laughs> yeah yeah see everyone that's come in so far has mentioned the uh the new year's marathons right mm-hmm. and somehow i never never saw a twilight zone new year's marathon i think I, I do remember star trek ones and and taping those on vhs but uh i, I maybe because i didn't have cable maybe it was on the cable station where they it was on sci-fi channel yeah, uh, sci-fi channel was the was the the one that did that Okay, I was stuck with my UHF Star Trek marathons, which it's not a bad thing either. So, <laughs> I mean, there are worse problems to have. I mean, to me, I feel like any, well, at least TOS, you know, original series Trekkie, like just by design, you're also going to love the Twilight Zone. They just, they have the same kind of sense of morality, I think. Yeah, definitely. Roddenberry and Serling were very similar, cut from a very similar cloth. Yeah, and, and Roddenberry spoke at um, Serling's funeral. And um, I actually got several, I have several guests coming in from the Broadmary podcast to do these because I just feel like they are kind of like, you know, twins, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, I, I do wonder if Serling had had a few more years on him where what would have happened. So, I mean, would he have tried to do like yet another anthology series? Would he, you know, get into movies or a little bit more? I mean, I know he wrote the original screenplay for planet of the apes which was quite changed by the time it was filmed but <laughs> retained no, a bit I, of his sensibilities i think yeah a little bit but it still had it still had a a lot of surling in there it definitely felt uh in the end the ending is especially surling e feeling so <laughs> I yeah mean, i love those movies so and, um, uh, but yeah. i was just gonna make my weird um my weird confession I, I i swore i wouldn't do this on air but now i have to do it and um so i've been watching tons of um like key and peel like on youtube right uh-huh and i didn't watch jordan peel's movies yeah like I, i'm just I, I know you're a big horror guy i'm not a big horror guy i haven't seen them so only last night did i make the connection that that's the same peel <laughs> Really? <laughs> I did not make the connection. I haven't seen the new Twilight Zone, which uh, at this point I'm like, well, I got to do all the other Twilight Zones and then I'll watch it, right? Which I, new, I might. The new I've Twilight Zone has been canceled too. It's been oh, yeah. canceled. So it was pretty good. Uh, the okay. second season really got its uh, really got its groove very well. So, and Jordan Peele literally comes on screen and, and basically does a Rod Serling, which I found odd. Uh, <laughs> Because I was just watching the um, the the sketch, the Kim Peel sketch with the the guy that wants to use the toilet on the airplane. If you've seen this one, and um, no, I haven't seen that one. Peel is the uh, flight attendant, like 
like you got to sit down we're in turbulence it's like nothing's happening he said the light's on it's like is it against the law the light's on is it against the law and finally um the <laughs> flight attendant goes and straps himself in, or herself i think it's supposed to be a woman straps herself into a chair and then the plane starts going nuts right <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps cutting back to Peel's face and kind of looks like he's telekinetically doing it. <laughs> Death staring from across the plane. So I was like, and now it's like, it's, it's, it's like comedy, but it has a Twilight Zone vibe. So then have only making the connection last night, which is that, yeah, that made me feel like the dumbest thing ever. I didn't admit in the conversation I had made that connection, but uh, <laughs> I was just like, how could I have not made that connection? Because because I haven't seen the new one or his movies. But now, yeah, his his stock just went up way in my book because I kept hear, hearing about how his movies and New Twilight Zone were so good, and I've just been watching all his sketch comedy. And now now it's connected. The circle is complete. So his movies are really really good. I they cannot are, recommend them enough. Oh yeah, they're if excellent. I'm going if I'm going to watch horror, the the they are well after the Nightmare on Elm Street films, they are at the top of my list. Um, but uh, I, I, since we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm still looking for a, a good excuse to watch two, and then I'll need an excuse to watch three, four, and I might be finished after that. But <laughs> <laughs> we're not. I don't know. <laughs> might have to watch Freddy Jason. Yeah. Um, so. You you've made some westerns. You've made some horror. You, can you can you plug that stuff a bit? Sure can. So my first western is a film called Calamity Jane's Revenge, and it's a a woman fronted revenge western. You can find it lots of places. Tubi uh, TV has it. Amazon has it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And I shot a new western which hasn't been announced yet, but we wrapped it this year. And it's a. Uh, kind of historical fiction telling of a, of a Jesse James story that was really, really fun. And we went a little dark with it, which I enjoyed. I always like throwing things different because Calamity Jane's revenge was a little cartoony. We let the villains be really larger than life. And we, you know, the gunfights are real big and ridiculous. So on this one, it's a lot more subdued. And when people die, it's much less pleasant. Uh, <laughs> it's much less kind. So but those two are my, my two forays into Westerns. I'll probably end up doing another one, maybe even next year, but, uh, but I'm definitely going to have to change it up because I am tired of standing out in a big field with some smelly horses. I want to do a different kind of Western this time. So, <laughs> so we'll see what I have up my sleeve next year. Coconuts. It's going to be coconuts, isn't it? Monty Python style. <laughs> you got it. Uh, um, this is the time enough podcast uh you can find it by that hander on handle on twitter or facebook it's part of the umbrella of podcast on patreon which is podcastio podcastius we also do sci-fi movies at matt and luke sci-fi sanctuary you can find podcasts about pokemon about monster hunter and um i make music which is at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com and I'm glad you talked about your new Western before, before we record this, I'd already decided to, to um, go out on this podcast with a tune I recently released, which is Jesse James and Billy the kid. So, Ooh, nice. <laughs> so you, right. you, you won't hear it now, but you'll hear it, <laughs> hear it when you hear the podcast. And for the listener, you will hear it now. Jesse James, Billy the Kid, 
Nobody knows if they did what they did. Just said James and Billy the Kid. Nobody knows the how and the why. One day you live, the next day you die. One day you live, the next day you die. Both were shot from behind, betrayed in the homes that both hoped to find. Betrayed in the homes that both hoped to find. Nobody knows the how and the why. One day you live, the next day you die. One day you live, the next day you die. Just said James and Billy the Kid. Nobody knows if they did what they did. Just said James and Billy the Kid.